Welcome to the Paracelsus Guest Talk. In this episode, we are talking to Beverly Knight, a well-known and decorated singer who is celebrating this year an incredible 25 years in music and currently touring with Billy Ocean. She is joined by her husband, James O'Keefe. Both Beverly and James have been through difficult and very challenging phases in their lives, from childhood into their formative years in schooling and into their adult life. Stay tuned for their incredible and eye-opening stories. So I'm sitting here with the wonderful Beverly Knights and her wonderful husband, James O'Keefe. Why don't you briefly introduce yourself? Well, I'm Beverly Knight. I am a singer, writer, and latterly, I'm an actress now. So I do a few things. Yeah, I've been doing it a while. 25 years. <laughs> 25 years, a quarter yeah. of a century, as you just said. 25 <laughs> years, before. quarter of a century. It's a long time to be doing something, but I love it, so that's good. Brilliant. Love, yeah. <laughs> do what you love to do. Absolutely. James. And yeah, as, uh, as you said, I'm James O'Keefe, and uh, I'm currently a property developer and I suppose a, an entrepreneur as well, doing kind of a different, few different uh, business activities and uh, just trying to have some fun along the way as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lots of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, welcome to this podcast and thank you so much uh, thank you for, for agreeing. That's oh, a pleasure. Yeah. Um, we, our mission is to, to, to spread mental health uh, awareness. And, uh, and we've, we've talked previous to this uh, recording a bit about uh, your story. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe let's, let's start where everything starts with, uh, with childhood. Mm -hmm. um, both of you had uh, your, your own uh, struggles in, in, in your childhoods. Mm -hmm. uh, you had uh, complex parents and complex relationships uh, with, with your parents, with your fathers. Mm -hmm. um, I would say ladies first. Do you want to okay. uh, yeah. talk a bit? Um, I had, um, for the most part, my childhood was a happy one. Um, the thing that made it complicated was um, I was born and raised in Britain. My parents were born and raised in Jamaica, in the West Indies. They met married in in britain had us kids so um my mum pretty quickly i would say um adapted and um assimilated into the british way of life it was something they were used to because um you know britain used to own um jamaica as a colony so they were used to how brits did things brits were not used to them <laughs> at all so um my dad struggled my dad struggled he he came to britain he wasn't treated well at all i, I don't think there were any jamaicans who were treated well in the beginning um and then some you know kind and it, of and it was the the no you know in the past oh, yeah. at the time because my my family are, uh irish. my dad's side are irish, irish immigrants. so there's a kind of synergy there with the no no dogs, dogs no blacks, blacks no, no Irish. There were oh, signs in the pubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. When they were looking so, for yeah. places to live, <laughs> no dogs, no blacks, no Irish, yeah. and so you'd be like, okay, then, <laughs> well, that's me then, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so my my mum, probably being a woman, um, 
didn't suffer that confrontational prejudice that my dad got. My dad got the worst of it and, and didn't go into detail talking about it. So we, when I say we, my older sister, my younger brother, we grew up as part and parcel of Britain, but we knew we were a very visible minority. So sometimes we went through um, racist episodes, um, kind of implicit racism as opposed to too much confrontational racism. Mm -hmm. um, that only happened on, on um, well, one occasion where it did happen, which was horrible, was a bunch of skinheads surrounded me on my bike. I was very young, about six, and was like, we want your bike, your lot shouldn't be here. And I was like, you can't have my bike, it's my bike. <laughs> Get up, go back. Oh yeah, I, was, I wasn't having it, I was six, <laughs> and I was not having that's it. You lot should get up, go back to your own country. I was born here. And then the they usual. tried to take my bike off me and I pedaled home and you know. So d those kind of things happened. Um, but as a child, I felt as though, I, I, I felt this duality of my existence. I was British on the one hand and I had Jamaican heritage on the other and there was this duality. And I think my dad was uncomfortable with that. He saw these British children growing up in front of him and whilst he was happy for us, to be growing up and being raised, and keyword for my dad was educated in Britain. Um, he, he really struggled with our British sense of um, feeling as though we had the freedom to speak freely. You know, West Indian children weren't supposed to speak freely. <laughs> you know, quite old fashioned. And, um, and out of the three of us, I was the easily the mouthiest. Uh, if I thought something was right, you could not back me down. And I'd argue with anyone over it. I had that strong sense of my own, um, you know, my own point of view. And if it clashed with my dad's, well, so be it. I was gonna clash with my dad and I did. And a lot of it came from his own struggle to fit into a society that didn't really want him there. And it was um, also, I suppose, the, the Jamaican kind of way is, is very mm. staunch, very just deal with it, isn't it? It's like, you well, know, so was, he came um, from my, that and he yeah, had a tough childhood a, as well. Yeah, my dad so, came from a very tough yeah, childhood. Same as your mum, yeah. very poor. Desperately very, you know. poor. My mum was way poorer than my dad and yeah. my dad was poor. And my dad lost both his parents when he was young. So affection, showing affection was difficult for him. He was raised by an aunt who wasn't particularly affectionate, you know, would care and all of those things in, in a practical sense. But my dad was not a man for, you know, Hugs. oh, I love you oh, and give no. me a hug. No way, that was not my dad. Um, me, hug all the time, very tactile, always wanting to show that I, I love, you know, I'm very demonstrative like that. My dad wasn't anything like that. And so me and my dad would clash. Initially, me and my mum would clash because we're very similar personalities, both quite fiery and um, both would stand up for what we believed in, but they were only minor really. Frequent, but minor. My dad and I clashed heavily. When we clashed, it was heavy. Um, and that made for a loving home, but also 
a complex home because it, it you know we we didn't we didn't feel as though we didn't have money. That wasn't the issue or, or, or anything like that. And we would sit and discuss things as a family. In, in a lot of ways, we were quite middle class, you know, middle You're class. very middle class compared to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we didn't come from a council estate. We didn't yeah. come from all the stereotypes that yeah. are associated with um but that was obviously in Wolverhampton I Bev was obviously from Wolverhampton yeah. uh, you know in the industrial Midlands mm -hmm. and you know our family life was secure but there were battles and a lot of it did come from just my dad's poor my poor dad's struggle to 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 um see these children growing up in a way that he wasn't comfortable with you know when my sister brought my 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 now brother-in-law home oh my god <laughs> he was he was silently seething and then the seethingness turned into a resentment because he didn't want it was one thing to have your white friends come around and play and and all of that stuff it's quite another to bring a white boyfriend home with very serious intentions oh my god that was a struggle. And my sister wasn't vocal in the way that I was. So I would be fighting my sister's battles for her because I was the mouthy one who, mm -hmm. who would never back down. So as a result, dad and I would, would clash. Um, it, was, it was difficult. It really was. It was difficult. Do you now uh, mm. thinking back for, uh, to your journey mm. from there and after that, um, has that dynamic uh, had any implications for you? Did it define you? Did it give you strengths or did it cause issues later down? When I think back now of that period, I think what it, what it did for me was made me even more resilient. I think that's the best thing I can say. I was so convinced that um, my attitude to other people, except, you know, as, as they say in the Midlands, you take people as you find them, you know. Um, and I was so convinced that that was the right way. And dad's entrenched views that were, that became hardwired for him, um, just turned me right the other way. And I was determined to throw my mind and my heart open to all kinds of everyone. Do you think you know? that as well, that, that came from your mum as well? Cause yeah, my mum was way more... Beverly's mum was the, like my mum, that she was the, the synergy as well was, was the one that was there holding everything together and, you know, and obviously my situation was different, but yeah, mm. it's... Um, yeah, mum, was... I think, you know, mum's influence was a factor as well because while I saw my dad kind of destroy a part of himself because he struggled so much. On the other hand, I saw how my mum coped with the prejudices, whether they were casual or confrontational, that came her way. And her way was to... Um, kill them with kindness. Yeah, kill them with kindness, and to grow. Yeah, that's to, what Bev to, now does. The, and that, I, yeah, I guess and that's that the is, difference in that's us. Yeah, but that's the difference in us. I'll be, I'm more... I oh, think men are, I think men, but I just think men are, I think men are more yeah. like, well, you know, reactive to that, but Beverly will be a bit, you know, more, oh no, you know, let's, 
be a bit kinder sometimes, but then it's mm-hmm. weird, but then sometimes it works the other way, won't it? Yeah. So it's weird. You know, you know, when you're a couple, sometimes you feed off the, yeah, it's weird. But yeah, weird. I, I, I think... Um, it's made you strong, it's made you strong. Oh but, my but, God, yes. But, but he, yeah. you know, your dad was, didn't talk a lot, did he? He was, but about feelings and everything. You'd get him talking about youngsters and he'd be there for four hours telling you about oh the, the state of the world. Long, and, you know, winded my but, dad but could talk. Beverly also <laughs> isn't a massive talker about her feelings, are you, sometimes? So that's a... I tend to... Yeah, that's something I've... From... I didn't really realise what I'd inherited from my dad mm-hmm. until I met you and you pointed out so much of what I've inherited. Mm-hmm. My inability to speak of deep-seated feelings they will I will speak of them in song because that is a much more general thing and I can when you're writing a song you want to make the message universal whilst you're basing it on your own feelings you still want to you know you, you generalize things so that the widest demographic of people can understand what you're singing about but for me to get really personal and just really go there and talk about things that are bothering me. Often I will just sit on those things, just like my dad, but, exactly like but my dad. me on the other hand. You let it all out. I did, like, and that was when I was so, then I might as well take yeah, this so into when I, you know, yeah. when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum and dad split up when I was young. Uh, we moved around a bit from London to Norwich and, you know, back and forth. Um, and my dad, unbeknown to me at the time was an alcoholic um so he used to let me down a lot you know when i was very young and used to promise a hell of a lot um and always let me down you know birthdays you know coming down and my mum would always have to deal with the with the you know the aftermath yeah Mm. exactly and it wouldn't be good um i was an angry kid apparently from two onwards don't know why (laughs) I was a nightmare. You probably feel the energy in the house. I don't know. Um, and, but my dad was a very mani- manipulative man as well. He, he literally nearly drove my mum mentally round the twist. That's why she had to leave him. She, um, you, your dad was a charmer from what you tell he me. He was a charmer, yeah. Very char- handsome, charming, yeah. but there was the flip side. But yeah, he was, he, and I don't think he meant it horribly. I just think he was quite manipulative in, you know, and. But but great dad when we were young, like your dad, you know, amazing when we were young and, you know, we, we remember some brilliant things, you oh, know, about them yeah. and that they were, my dad was a fantastic storyteller, you know, Beverly's dad was really involved in when they were young, you know, mm. and, but then your dad kind of lost his way a bit, didn't he? he just went in on withdrew. himself and withdrew himself a withdrew. lot. Mm. My dad, just the drinking got worse, the, the, he got very ill. Um, I then got uh, kicked out of my house living with my mum when I was 15. Um, went to live with my dad. He kicked me out f- four months later as well and then died uh, about a year later. So, you know, very, very difficult times. Um, and I was a very insecure child. Uh, my mum would, all, you know, I was always, I was very worried about my mum as well. You know, I didn't, I hated her being in on her own so I wouldn't go out, I'd stay in with my mum. Very, I was a very um, protective. A, well, that is. But I was, I was a very emotional child. Either very angry or very sad, or you know, there was it was just one or the other. You know, it was, and I, that that anger came out in a lot. I did a lot of bad things when I was young, and 
always in trouble with the police and school and you know I used to do crazy things you know as a, as a young kid and I think I, I didn't have a role model. My dad was an alcoholic, my brother was an idiot of foot fighting and he was my role model and I wanted to be like him. Terrible role model, bless him, you know. And it's not his fault, he was dealing with his own stuff as well. So I could never judge him and think, well, at the time I wanted him to look after me and be my, but he was dealing with his own problems when my dad died and, you know, he also got kicked out because he was a nightmare at my mum. So it was this, it was this vicious cycle and um, I think when my dad died, it, 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 I just lost it completely. Yeah, you went, didn't you? Yeah, you I just, just I didn't care about myself and that was, I think, the, the and this is the, the, the difference between me and Beverly. This She's had so much difference. respect for herself as a person. I had absolutely zero. I didn't care whether I lived or died and that came across in everything I did. And I suppose conversely, I cared so much. Yeah. I cared about making my mark on the world because I mm. knew from I was tiny I was going to sing and <laughs> no one was going to tell me I couldn't sing. So I couldn't <laughs> sing. And that was what I was going to do. Um, that was your strength of, of mind and, and you still a, got, you know. Yeah, it, it, well, it's, it's what propelled me forward. But I had, even though my dad had his, his, his struggles, I did not doubt that I was a loved child even with the clashes, even with the fights. Um, equally, I didn't doubt that my mum and dad loved each other, even with their clashes. Mm -hmm. And even with, I mean, their, their relationship sometimes to us kids was comedic because mm -hmm. my mum my, my would just be telling my dad, you know, what to do and, and things. And, and my dad was quite a reserved man. Um, but we, we always knew that there was love there and there was never, the conflict was because of situations that would arise that we'd have to tackle. It wasn't inherent mm -hmm. to the relationship, if that makes sense. Whereas I think yeah, with, yeah. with your we, mum we and dad. We went through so much. It, like I, it sounds My mum, my mum, bless her now, is still, is still upset that what she pushed through and I'm like you know mum no you know you didn't push through that it's just a circumstance you know and I wouldn't change and this is bringing it on to the whole uh, you know um, mental kind of awareness side of things and and I wouldn't I, I wouldn't change any of it because it's mm -hmm. made me as strong as it has made me weak and that that vulnerability and that strength are both important and I wouldn't have that now. And the same. They sit, they sit side by side. Yeah. And I think if I think that's the biggest lesson that we can learn that you have to. I have to look back on everything the same as Beverly does, and we we look at the bad as good. You know, is as 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 important, if not more important, than the good, because you just you learn and you get resilient, you get strong, and you toughen. Maybe not in the best way sometimes, but. You know, I think it, it drives you sometimes. But then, <laughs> but then we've talked before, then my mind goes somewhere else and I, I then think, well, actually, I wouldn't mind have grown up in cotton wool, <laughs> not, <laughs> not having any problems. Not having you know? to go through what you did. Yeah. I d and then what kind of an adult would you have been? I don't know. I might exactly. be really nice. I might be really sensible. Like you, but, you know, <laughs> we don't know. We don't, you know, and, and I don't, you know, but you just, you, we are what we are now. And we accept. We just have to accept it, love it, and just move on. Your message is, you know, uh, you you can't change the past. No, you can no. learn from it. You can 
take energy from it and positive lessons. It has to be. But you can't. Be you can't let it haunt you. No, and I've. That's we've both had. We've both had. You know, not very nice things happen to us. You know, and in equally in different ways and different. And and the other thing is, everyone's journey. Like people might watch this and go, "Well, your my." They might be saying my situation's worse than mine. Well, to you, yes, and to me, mine was worse. Or you know, yours. It doesn't matter. It's not a competition. It, we just have to look at ourselves and go. It happened. Learn from it, accept it, love it, and move on, and just try and grow. It's the only way you can deal. Otherwise, things can consume you. I watched the resentment of how my dad was treated, and believe me, it wasn't good the way he was treated. Um, I watched that consume him. Over the years, as a child, I get that now. As I'm growing, you know, I'm an adult now. I understand that what was happening to my dad was this slow inner destruction of a man who was inherently a loving and decent and hardworking man, um, but could not let go of his resentment for, for for how how he was treated when so he came you, to Britain. So the other thing That's is, hard. you remember so much of your childhood, because, you yeah. know, and I- But it was a good childhood, yeah, that's why I remember. Yeah, and there's so many chunks of my childhood that I've just completely, I've got no idea. Like Absolutely, yeah. I, and, um, that's how me, you coped, and that's I think, how you and dealt that, with Exactly, it. that, I think now, that's my coping mechanism, mechanism, that I just seemingly blocked it out. And um, I think, there's certain things I remember about my dad and my mum and, you know, but I remember being loved by my mum. You know, my dad, I know he loved me, but, you know, it's always that letting down. And, and that impacted me, the promising thing, when we got together, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, it was one of the things that, that when we got married, I, I finally could say to Bev, I promise, you know, to to give myself to you because before that I, I struggled to say I prom- you know I promise because I just felt I couldn't mm-hmm. so that impacted me from my dad yeah because your, your dad made a lot of promises yeah. to you so that, I, I that you didn't keep I'm very so very nice. careful about promise very careful because oh, promise it you you have a real thing about the word promise to my oh, nephews stop. and my anything if I say I promise I'll be there and anything can happen mm-hmm. I'll do my best to be there is a is a better That's thing I would use if I could give any advice to a parent and I'm not a parent I would say don't use the word promise <laughs> just in <laughs> Cause, case yeah because anything can happen you know yeah. so and kids yeah. see things really binary oh. they, they do not yeah. you said you were going to be there right well there the was car a car accident yeah, yeah someone died in front of it could be anything. But you they said you were going to be there. Yeah, they don't That's see it. That's what kids understand. I mean, for kids, uh, the parents are, you know, the absolute reference points. It's, <laughs> it's The parents stand for the truth and parents can't lie and parents can't do wrong. Yeah. Uh, and then when you... Until they do. And, and, then, <laughs> and yeah. then when it happens, and then when you yeah. realize, it's really confusing then yeah. For, yeah. for children who are not, not yet at an age where they can actually make, make sense of that. How do and they process it? Exactly. I was super angry with my, with my mum. I hated my mum for a period. I hated my sister, you know, I, my brother. I've been through all different, you know, and, and then obviously, you know, my dad dying young. I was so angry about everything. I was just angry all the time. Yeah, and, yeah. and then 
and then you know we kind of we get into our kind of 20s and then my real problem started you know with 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 uh i think with the with the self-torture was like well i need to get out of how i feel out of my life and and drugs came along you know obviously drinking i was drinking from a young age from 13 years old i was drinking um you know and and doing crazy things from that age upwards and and then drugs at 18 and then it got really bad you know i was yeah, it, you know, at 21, I, I was walking at the top of a multi-storey car park thinking, what's the point, you know, and, and that's genuinely uh, that low has been, you know, and, and nearly dying of drugs two or three times, you know, of, of being in that point where you, just, you know, and just not caring, you know, and and it's a it's a tough, um, it's a weird situation. and it's there yeah. is, a, you know, there, there is a very clear uh, indications or correlations uh, from research that, uh, that uh, substance misuse uh, addiction runs through generations. So with, uh, and nobody really knows, you know, is it a genetic component uh, or, or, or is it a learned behavior? But when you, when you, when you saw your, your father, you experienced uh, your father and how he was, um, and that must have impacted you. Mm -hmm. Plus, I mean, plus you said, you know, with low self-esteem and, uh, and not really any positive outlook uh, yeah. on life, um, yeah. turning to, to drugs, to, to alcohol is, uh, is, uh, is also a coping mechanism. The, not a good other, one, yeah. but, but you were the, trying to cope. Yeah, the other thing I had when I was young was I was always told, because I was, I was a fat kid as well, so I always had that. I've always felt like a failure, you know, and, and I always, you, know, you didn't always, have any teachers who really would encourage you. I, did, I had some good well, teachers, some, had, some, but I had, was. But mostly, mostly school yeah, and teaching yeah. was not a positive force no, in your life. No, but I was so naughty, so I was so bad that they they couldn't do much with me because I was so angry and so violent. But and nobody so sought to look beyond few that did, and few understand. Did what was fueling that it yeah. seems to me anyway but you can't you know but you were in a, in, a, in a way in a vicious cycle yeah with, uh, yeah, yeah. but they can't I, you know, I don't it. but a teacher's got 30 other kids how no, are they gonna course. you know and i was the one kid so they just sent me out you know and that was it and i'd do crazy things at school you know and i was yeah um constantly fighting you and Oh, that's bad, oh, yeah. That you know, I used to steal school money and stuff, you know, and all sorts, just bad, you know. I was that kid at school, the worst in the year, you know. I just had no, and, and it's the lack of self-respect I had, but I didn't know, I just didn't care. I was like, I don't mm. care about any, you know, I don't care. That was my, you know. So the, you didn't reflect or try to, to understand just anger, why you feel this just way? Just anger. Just, yeah. <laughs> Outward that's, anger. That's, anger. It's, it's... <laughs> And, and I, I and, didn't have that. No, I didn't have any of that. I was. You were. You were I loved. Was, you were loved and told you was, were brilliant. All, and I was told I was, I was rubbish. My whole exactly. school life. And that this I was is nothing. the thing. I was told <laughs> from I was little. Yeah, from the, the, the that my 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 primary school teacher, Mrs. Barnard. God love her. She's still with us, and she told. My mum and mom and dad, who would go to parents' evening, they both would turn up together. But they, I was told, Beverly's special. She has a very special voice. She's very hardworking. Blah blah blah. She's gonna be. She's gonna do special things. I was a young child. I was like, I'll take that. I believed it because I was. That's what people said, and I had that all the way through school. So I, 
um, believed that I was going to do something special and I knew it was to do with my voice mm. um, you know, but it, what it did was made me it drove me to, to, to be the best pupil so I became that bookish kid always reading and studying I had the glasses to go with it I looked every bit the, the, the geeky student I mean, I was, that was me but there's also and a lot of pressure on that as well putting all that pressure on a child as well so mm. even though you could say, oh, well, they were wrong for saying it to me. Were they wrong for saying that to Beverly? Because that's a lot of pressure to put on a child mentally. Because if she doesn't succeed in that... Oh, if I hadn't have succeeded, yeah, then you or look if I had failed you... in my studies... Exactly. So it's very... It would not have been very... It wouldn't have worked out very well for mm -hmm. me. There was an expectation that mm -hmm. I would but do luckily, well at school. Luckily, I did. It did work out you can, for you. Yeah, but yeah. If, if you put that pressure on... 10 kids how many of them are going to be going to buckle you know, under yeah, the pressure and that's and whereas i refused to do homework i didn't want to do it and i was like it just didn't make sense to me you know none of it mm. i was like but it i think that's just as hard sometimes to put all that pressure on a child so mm. i don't know where that balance is and that's generally i mean that's with raising kids that's with mental health uh, uh, as well generally there's no one size fits all exactly everybody's different yeah. and, and yeah. you know has a diff different baseline work. resilience uh, yeah. as well to, to to cope with different things in life yeah, yeah. and uh, and uh, it would be an interesting thought experiment uh, to you know reverse your roles if you had grown up uh, in an environment like James <laughs> yeah. and vice versa exactly. who knows what would I have never, uh, come I out, never right? want to put that on Bev though oh my <laughs> god <I'd... laughs> well, imagine wow. me always arguing with your mum oh no <laughs> no no when you were young when yeah. I was young oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I never shut up arguing I was I always know, arguing I was always preaching the gospel of Bev because <laughs> I was always right <laughs> I used to yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, it yeah. was. So I think then, you know, so into. So it was funny then. Uh, we look at. We, we laughed sometimes when we look at when we were 21, let's say. Let's pick, you know, a 21 year old Beverly and a 21 year old James. Well, the 21 year old Beverly was. First album. <laughs> finishing uni, writing the first album, <laughs> writing my dissertation at the same time. <laughs> I was I was dealing drugs, taking a huge amount of drugs and basically fighting and being an idiot and going out seven nights a week. That was it. It was mad. But yet there's so many things that we didn't know each other, obviously, but there were so many things that we shared, you know, that were completely in common. Um, fathers that were tricky. But silly things. We used to watch the same kids' programs, <laughs> yeah. you know, we both loved, I don't know, cars and stuff and just silly things that we would have in common yeah. that even though our lives seemed so different, they were, there was a lot of similarities and I think that can give you comfort as well because you can see someone's life as being so privileged and so far and so remote from your own and yet there are still parallels with that life that you can draw, because on the surface, our lives nothing like well, I, each I, other. But I love in that. some ways, there's, there's, there's things that we went through that were the same. But I like the fact that, like you know, some people talk about when you when you're with someone. Like Beverly doesn't drink or smoke, and she never has. And I've mm. done you know all of it. So it's like, but I'd never want Bev to do that. I, I'd never want her to 
to experience all that because it doesn't make you any better. You know, it's not like, oh yeah, do that and you've, tr it doesn't make you any better, it doesn't improve your life and you don't know where you can go. If, and that, that, this is, just to carry on with that, this is my problem with drink, drugs, cigarettes, all of that. You don't know until you do it what your problem is going to be. That's a very, very important fact and uh, that I, I feel. I'm not saying that it, you know, it's a fact, of, but how I feel about it. You don't know until you take that first bit of it, how it's going to affect you. Some people can do it and then recreationally. Some people like me, who are a maniac and wouldn't be the last one, you know. And for, to meet someone like Beverly that didn't do any of that, I, it was like an absolute breath of fresh air to me. Because I was just like, oh my God, you know, this... Because this, it's, it's unusual also. But it's, it was beautiful. Uh, most people would have uh, got in, their share of experience. Yeah, but uh, it was inspirational for me as well. And it really made me look at myself and think, you know what? I, and, and Bev inspired me, and she still does, to be a better human being, to be, you know, more caring and to, to just to, you know, think better of people and not judge and all of these things, you know. And But then I, I look, because I... I didn't go through any of that. I was raised in this, um, it wasn't super strict, but you know, I had boundaries, and it, but it was defined by um, Christianity. My parents were both Christians and that was the way we were raised. And that, didn't, that wasn't the reason I didn't smoke or drink because everyone in my family um, will, will, will drink, um, but hardly anything. But I just hated alcohol. I didn't like how people were around it. And, and I certainly wasn't going to smoke because I was going to do anything to damage my voice. Um, but equally, when I look at um, James's life and see what he went through, but still had enough determination to pull himself out of the mire to do something, mm. because you had enough... You had, a, you had the moments of clarity to know that either I sort myself out or get away from this druggy scene or I'm going to be dead or in prison. And there was um, a moment in, in, in your 20s, James, that, uh, where, where um, you turned things around. How, how was the process for you? Um, was it a, a moment of clarity? Did you wake up one morning after, after binge, uh, deciding that it can't go on like this? How did you find the strength? What, was, what went through your mind at the time? It's, I mean, it is, it's difficult to say exactly what the, the catalyst was. And, and we spoke earlier, and it's, it's difficult for me to say what works and what doesn't work because obviously as we said as well we're all completely different but I I think an important thing is separating yourself from the situation and I managed to blag a job in London and goes back again to what, what we talked about the the law of attraction-esque type thing where I always used to say when I was young as a cocky like 15 year old I'll be back in London before I'm 25 and blah 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 because you know I I was cocky because I was so insecure so you know I used to try and mask it um, and I managed to to blag the job but I was uh, £7,000 in drug debt to drug dealers who wanted to hurt me um, who wanted to hurt my girlfriend at the time their family they were going to do something bad to the house so I had to just get away um, and I had a bin bag full of clothes and I moved to London and that was 19 years ago and 
and it was a very slow process. You know, I, I uh, was very unhealthy, you know, I, I smoked, I drank, I did drugs, I ate crap, you know, all the, all the usual. And I just joined a gym where I worked um, and it just was a slow process. And then as I went, luckily I'm a hundred percent or nothing person. And that's what got me through it because I then focused on something else. And then with that focus, it, it washed away the other stuff. So, so and the focus then was uh, exercise. Was exercise and then wanting to become, was then to self-educate myself because I wasn't educated when I'm, I'm still not, but I, I tried to, I started reading more and I started to try and read self-help books mm -hmm. and trying to educate myself and strive for better things, you know, to try and buy some property. And, and these little incremental steps I was making, you know, I still had no one theoretically helping me because I didn't, you know, my mum was just doing her thing. Obviously, I, you know, we still had contact, but we had a lot of years we didn't. Um, and, you know, I just worked. All I had was hard work and I just did that. And that was, that was what took me through. I, I, you know, there's no magic thing that I can think, oh, that was, but I think it was just not wanting to be in that situation anymore. Well, you, I think the minute you knew it had come down to the wire, you know? It was either I Maybe. leave now or I'm never leaving because I'll be in a jail or... I do remember, yeah, because I know, under the ground. at 22, I think I nearly went to prison anyway. Um, and I think then, you know, with a couple of other things that happened and the, and the you know, the bad stuff, it was just, it was a very um, toxic environment. So, you know, but... I think you have to look at yourself like that, but it's hard when you're young as well, because they're your friends and that's your group and that, that's what your mind knows, that's all it knows and, mm -hmm. and you know, and I was so used to being in trouble and doing stupid things and you know, driving around with like thousands of pills in the car and just crazy things where it didn't, you know, I had no care at all for anything. Mm -hmm. And you know, but, but, but yeah, the, the positive side was, I think that comes from my mum. I think that it was, my mum's voice was always in my head. I think if you've not got that, you know, there's probably kids out there now or who, who haven't got at least one person giving them something. And even though I wasn't talking to my mum, that voice was still there, that good, you know, that good and bad. My mum was there, yeah, you know, and it yeah. was, it was my mum. And that's important, you know. But your dad was a grafter as well. He when wasn't. He, well, he was. He was. No, he he was yeah. when he when you know because he was doing his he, when he was working he was doing his carpentry. Yeah, but he, he did really good work. He did right? do great work, but he enjoyed the pub more. Yeah, but he, <laughs> he used to say that the the, the 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 best work was done in the pub. But I'm you, pretty but sure you know, for people out there that's not true. That's probably not true. <laughs> But his work was great work. So oh, he's he an amazing. He's so an amazing he had, uh, joiner. And I think you have that same thing of if you're going to do something, you'll do it and make sure it's damn good. It's definitely. And, it's, and you're, the details. It's an illness. Though. So you have inherited that from you know, your dad. Yeah. Yeah, and my mum. And your, oh God, yeah. And your mum. <laughs> yeah. Your mum is definitely a details woman. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you know. Yeah, my... my um, it's funny because you, you you'd listen to this and think, oh yeah, Bev's Bev's life was 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 fine. A few problems with your dad, but 
where it went a bit wonky woo for me was I chose when I say horrible <laughs> horrible relationships I mean I got myself into Rubbish. And that was around the same times, wasn't it? When you were, you know, in, in our early 20s was early when you 20s, had, yeah. You know, my, I didn't do that whole dating thing all the way through school because my focus was, like I said, boys I was a geek. In, boys weren't, boys weren't, weren't so I was not really, I was interested in, in this. Me, the on book. the other hand. You, yeah, but anyway. exactly. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, my first serious relationship was a man who was, much older than me, and at 17, that's a big deal, um, who was charming and manipulative and could be very aggressive. Um, he tried it once to be physical with me and never again, because uh, I had enough character to fight back and saw what it was and thought, okay, this needs to end. Um, that's but then, why I don't mess with her. <laughs> So I wake up then, in the night with something and I'll be like... <laughs> <laughs> and then the next, the next thing, the next relationship was worse than that. I literally went out of a frying pan into a fire, chose someone who was so possessive and so jealous of, I think, um, the fact that I was a, a, a popular person and could get on easily with people and... He, he just wasn't that kind of a man because he had his own issues with his how, own How old was things. that again? What? I was at, when, I, when I jumped from the frying pan into the fire, I was at uni. Right. And so that, this and, was during... And um, was he, how old was he then? The, the, I can't only remember. Only two that. years older than me. And, that, and I think that's something we forget as well, that when boys at that age, because you're still a boy, whatever you try to Oh yeah, he was, he was, when I think back now, he, he was still... It, that that possessiveness no is just insecurity. And that, you know, and, and it would be, and one of the things I'd love to do in the future is to work with younger men, children, young, you know, and to... Insecure men yeah, is a tough is, one. But, but we all are at that age. And so when there's a woman, we want to control her because we're insecure and mm -hmm. we all do it. I, well, I think most men do, you know, or most boys mm. do. Um, and then that then makes the woman or the girl insecure as well sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then, and, or not insecure, oh, but well, then... Well, what I was going to go on to say is that in that relationship, something quite unique happened to me, which um, has only happened maybe once since that time, again, since that time. And that was in order, instead of looking at this guy and thinking, oh, you have issues with your family setup, which is why you are the way you are. I accommodated his behavior by trying to appease it. So, oh, I'll be home at eight. I would break my neck to be home from wherever I was at eight o'clock. And this is in my uni years. So, you know, you're at uni, you, you, you're out with your mates. You, 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 maybe you've studied late with some friends or, or not, or you've gone out for, for a meal or whatever. I'd, be, I'd do everything to be home at eight and it became pathological. I must be home at eight because if I'm home at five past eight, there's going to be a problem and I'm going to be accused of being here, there and everywhere with people I was not with. So, and 
my character started to change. I began to withdraw and began to be um, what uh, people said, not when I was there, but people described me more like, like, you became a mouse. You were like a mouse. Me, who was always confident and always, you know, so forthright with my views and, and, and um, you know, and happy-go-lucky, became this mouse. And it, it took... It took me um, signing my record deal, which happened in my final year of, of, of uni when I got spotted mm. um, singing in a club at home. Very, very, very brief story. Got spotted before I went to uni, singing in a club. I was offered a deal. I turned down the opportunity to sign there and then because I said that I knew I was good precocious, knew I was good, and if you thought I was as good as you claim you say, then you'll wait for me to finish uni. And they did. And they waited. <laughs> oh my God. Well, they waited till my final year. And I... um forget, though, how you, mm -hmm. you had your struggles with your own image as well, though, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, the, I'll, I'll go on to that. Yeah. yeah. Which was, which no, I'll go on. I will definitely... Them, them well, it didn't really it? manifest until a bit later, like okay. badly, right. but um, I... Yeah, with, with this guy, the, the, the thing that got me away from him was my um, first single that I had written and was released while I was at my final year of uni, took off like a rocket in the clubs, you know, in the specialist clubs underground, which meant they needed an album, which meant I needed to write one, which meant I needed to hurry up, finish my degree, get my exams done, get to London and get writing. He still had a year to go because he was training to be a teacher. The minute I was able, I was gone to London. So Bye. You got a lifeline through that. <laughs> that was deal, my basically. yeah. That was my lifeline, and that's I was another, gone and left him behind. That's another thing about my situation. It's getting yourself away from it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that, you have to remove yeah, yourself physically. And that's the only way to do it. Yeah. When you are in such a relationship. And, uh, you know, the way that you describe uh, uh, these partners, very mm. charming and manipulative. Uh, at the beginning, you, you were taken in by, by Completely. it. Completely. And then over time, uh, very subtly, uh, some character, uh, you know, starts. I don't know how you put but, up with me, but, yeah. but it's really, really, <laughs> But it's really hard to put the finger on it. So it becomes a bit, it becomes kind of a, a new normality. Uh, and when, when, yeah. when, when there are issues, um, uh, in the relationship, you, you, you doubt yourself, you question yourself, you question That's your exactly own reality. That's exactly what happened. I was doubting myself and I was, I was managing my own behaviour to appease a mind which was troubled. You often see that in relationships where, where a partner is a narcissist, for example. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it's really, really hard to get out of that because in, in one way you still love that person, you try mm -hmm. to accommodate you're always also yep. anxious because you don't know how they will react if you do this or that um, so uh, you know some people at some point they realize okay i have to leave others don't survive such relationships exactly it's also having Destroy another themselves. option but it's also having the option of going somewhere where else do you go exactly and i that's had why, somewhere to go i yeah, had a but that's whole why these women shelters are so life amazing, and, aren't they? well exactly you know yeah that's why i had a, i had a future i had a life and i had this thing in the back of my head you do not factor in the long term because this behavior isn't going to work 
when I'm touring the world, because I'd already, as far as I'm concerned, I'd planned all of that. That was, that was going to be my life, the end. Um, so I knew if I got away, I could see the road was going to be much that's, clearer for me. That's and, where I have the... And I did. Yeah, that's where I have the, the huge respect for my mum. You know, she walked away Your from mum my did dad, the same thing. Three kids, no help. Yeah, you no know, one moved, you, moved away and had to start off in a council house that was an absolute rat hole and she just worked and she hard grafted and she hard. grafted and we had nothing and you know no food jumble sales you know for Clear clothes food, all of that clothes. and and it that you know that stuff stuck with me like now isn't it I can't, yeah you still now you won't you won't go through a sale where I you've got go to do this sale. through the rails Mentally, because it brings you right back to and I have to uh, you know at home I had sale. to make our kitchen I had to make two fridges and have stuff in there because it when we're young I'd go in the fridge and there'd be nothing in there and it still stuck with me it's weird it's and, yeah. I, and I never had that I, know, I was yeah. so oh, fortunate so it's weird to go but yeah that, that whole moving up taking yourself out of something to you know Bev did it I did it my mum did it people can do it my mum and dad did it they exactly. had to take they themselves away. from exactly. Jamaica because Jamaica was not going to, at that time, was not going to give them the life that either of them wanted. And the British government was saying, please come to Britain to help build the mother country up. But of course, they both made huge decisions at very young ages to leave everything they knew to come to Britain and give it a go. And the result of which is I'm sitting here, you know, which I'm grateful for. But that thing of, okay, this is it. It's crunch time. I either stay in this situation and life will never get better, never improve, or I must leave. I must go. Luckily, I had something to go to and I knew what it was. It's scary, though. It's scary to... But still, it was scary. It's scary to, you know, for, for everyone, it's even hard to to leave a job or to leave, you know, for the unknown, always the unknown's worse than, than what you think it is. And that, I suppose if that's one takeaway I can say, cause I'm still, the stuff I'm doing in, in this day and age, Beverly is doing some great stuff and she's still doing stuff that she hasn't done before. And you know, some amazing stuff and putting herself new things. And that's scary for Beverly. And I'm doing the same thing in business and trying to start up new things. And that's scary at 43, you know, to be going, oh, I'll do try this again. And mm -hmm. it's mad, you know. Especially but when you, you, I had this core belief and you had the core belief that it was going to work out, but you didn't see what the plan was. Yeah. There wasn't a set plan or a set journey. The uncertainty is it's scary. It's uncertainty. And initially, to, 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 to carry on about the, the, the recording contract and everything, that first deal didn't work out the way I wanted because I had creative differences with the record label and then um, eventually left the label, but it was a protracted um, situation legally and I had to start all over again and there were times where my family were like Bev 
forget, just come home. Come home, you've we always got We were talking about that with them home. the other day, weren't yeah. we? That literally her brother-in-law and sister were like, we wanted her to come home. They wanted me to come home she and said, just no, forget it. I was no, like, I'm, I'm not doing it. Here. I'm staying here. I have to tough it they out. They wanted you to come home because they were worried about They were you. worried they sick her, about me. That, you know, she had nothing, you know, it was literally start again with, I you know. I had to start again with everything. Living in, a, in a, someone's house that was just putting her Who up. Was an and she, on her own tough times and she just toughed and, it out and you know my, my mum and dad wanted me to come back home my family they would but I didn't want to go back home because going back home meant I had failed I hadn't achieved what I set out to do and that was music and inside of me that still small voice said but that's your destiny that is what you're meant to do you can't go home You'll be throwing Quest destiny, of for course. You that I probably haven't asked, sorry to, but is there anyone that you wanted to prove that to, apart from yourself, really? Is it, did you, because me, uh, there's certain people I think back in my life, my mum or whatever, my, I think, oh, I want to prove that I can do, you know. No, you I didn't really think, have that, no, did you, so much? Yeah. Because I didn't, because everyone arounded me, around it, everyone around me knew that I was capable yeah. of making a, a success of my career, everyone, and no one doubted that I would. Um, but the only thing for me was I knew I needed, I knew I had a hard road ahead of me. I knew there were going to be obstacles because of my sex, because of my race, um, because I was British and not American making music which ultimately started its roots in America. I knew I had hurdles and I just wanted to keep going. I think that's the immigrant way as well because my, you know, my dad, Irish, so I'm part of an immigrant as well and Bev's obviously an immigrant you know, family so I think that there's a, there's a certain work ethic. There's a psychology there, there isn't is. there? There is, there's a... There's a, there's a, there's a resilience a, coming there from There is that, and there's so. to strive and... and I think the whole, we talked earlier about the journey, you know, in life. It's very difficult at a young age to think, oh, you know, the journey is the important thing, but it really is. And, but you've got to have that goal, but you've got to live in that moment as well. So it, mm -hmm. you've got all these contrasting views and opinions and things you've got to think about. And when you're young, it's very difficult to to be grounded enough to go, oh, well, I'll think, of, I'll think of the future and set my goals so high, but I'll just bring it back to now. So it's like, mm. it's very difficult. It's mm. always that, um, that the dynamic between the journey and where, where, where we want it to lead us. Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, music as your destiny and, and yeah. you, 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 uh, you felt that from a very, very early uh, age. Absolutely. Uh, um, yeah. So music as your destiny, but in how far was music also uh, for you a tool or, or an outlet or, or, or a mechanism to actually see you through, you know, that journey with mm. its with its struggles, some of which we've uh, we've talked about. Mm -hmm. um, um, was it a source of strength for you um, that you could harness? Music has always been the cathartic it's always been where I've gone to to work it all out if I need to sort it out there's a song for it either I'm gonna write it or someone brilliant has written it for me and I'm gonna sing it and I'm gonna take their words and I'm gonna put it into my voice and 
I'm going to sing it and it's going to somehow help me to figure stuff out. Words have always meant a lot to you. Words they? are yeah. so Lyrics important. What, yeah. Melody has always been there because that's always been my go-to. I was singing before I was talking. So everyone tells me, my mum, my play school teachers, everyone says, yeah, Bev was singing before she was talking. But then the power of the lyric took over. I first saw the power of the lyric, I guess through my religious upbringing, because people would always read out the lyrics to hymns and say, and now listen to this, and this is so important. And you know, and this is the message that God wants to tell you. And, blah, blah, blah. and putting it all that, well, yeah, you know, putting <laughs> all of the God stuff aside, the power of the, message, the yeah. word and the message and you couple that with a melody and suddenly you've got something that can reach far beyond what we can um, easily yeah. explain. And so music was my go-to. When, when I was happy, it was music. When I was sad, it was music. Everything, And it wasn't that. just music to listen to, it was what I would sing. So I started to write when I was around 13. The minute I could really get some sense out of the piano, then I started to write songs, rubbish songs. But it was my way of trying to, it was, it was my catharsis, you know? It was where I went to work everything out. And, um, Still, so so still different now. than mine. Hey, you, you, you turned to other things. I always turned yeah. to music. Um, and I, again, I, I'm, I'm fortunate that I had this, this, this gift that, you know, landed in my lap at birth of music because if music wasn't there, what else would I have turned to? It was, it was always there and it was so immediate. All I had to do was open my mouth and just sing. Um, and I, I, I realized just how lucky, you know, I was and I am to have that. But what was important to me was that I could share that with other people that in writing my songs, I could then, while I'm working stuff out for myself, maybe I'm making sense to somebody else out there. That was my hope. Um, and you have, and you have, I mean, the, the letters Beverly gets and the, the, the well wishes and the love that she gets. And, it, you know, it impacts me because I see that and it's, it, I'm so proud that my wife is doing that for people. And that's, it's, you, don't, it's, you don't always realise it. You it's made sometimes. me a better person. Honestly, all these little things have made me a better person. And to, it, I get some real warmth through that when I read someone's, you know, Beverly, a letter Beverly gets or, you know, a, a card. And it's beautiful. Or a little tweet or something. Or a but, you know, just nice things, it's, you know. It's, it's funny because I always, I always felt, uh, and again, along with the bad choices of, of, of relationships, I started to, um, when, I, when I first came to London and, you know, I was with my deal and everything and uh, uh, my second deal, that is, and things really started to take off commercially, you know, into the mainstream. Um, that was when I really started to feel like I was a square peg in did, a round hole. Because did, did, I didn't think like I, I didn't look like a pop star. I didn't speak like a pop star. There were so many prejudices and stereotypes that fed into that. I wasn't an American. Looking back now, do you think that um, obviously the, 
that being in the public eye, you know, just it made that two hundred times bigger. That you that, oh, that feeling. So that was your yeah. Right. When when so that's what I people was... don't realise in that that you we go through these insecurities when we're young. They're 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 big enough. But then when you're thrust into the public eye, people then looking at you as the. Oh, they're looking at you. They're examining yeah. you from head to toe. And your record label telling you stuff, and you know that you're it too was... this or too that, or you need to be sexier. And that, and that was one of the things that I respected about Beverly when I met her that she didn't give in to any of that. Mm-hmm. She was her own woman. Good or bad, detrimental or not to her career, she has been who she is. Yeah, it was detrimental that she wasn't taking drugs, that she wasn't going to the parties, that she wasn't out, you know, having sex with everyone, you know, all of these things and wanting to do all the skimpy outfits and flaunt herself. That. Well, that's staying true to yourself. But that's so. It was was so so hard to be that square peg Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the round hole. So you processed that in a song with uh, with the same name. That was the only thing that's right. I wrote that song. song. I love that song. I wrote that song. (laughs) It's powerful. Because that's all I could do. I, I, I was part of this industry that I just did not feel that I easily slotted into. There was no doubt of the musical ability. That was, I never doubted that ever, and I never have. But I, there was no tribe into which I fit. And there is still no tribe into which I fit. But I feel quite lonely. And it was, it was, it was lonely. It it was. Um, And I feel, I felt that in different ways in my childhood and 20s. So yeah, and that's, one of the things that we talk about the synergy in our lives mm. we go oh well, i didn't fit in there i didn't feel quite good enough or this enough or you know and and that came um, out um, in different ways yeah. than you know for each other it's it's it's, it's an it's, interesting it's yeah yeah but talking about life in the in the spotlight it's a a lot of people be it you know singers actors mm. uh, uh even politicians <laughs> people who, who are in the public spotlight um always uh feeling that scrutiny uh, mm-hmm. Judgment because it's, it's yeah. not, not everybody will love you. It's, it's just no. uh, uh, how it is, and that that creates a lot of uh, pressure, um, yeah. uh, outside pressure, and uh, a lot of uh, people in the spotlight will internalize that, and uh, you know it can feed their own insecurities. Mm-hmm. So um, again, if you talk uh, talk about uh, research mm-hmm. statistics and all that, um, somebody. Um, who, who lives a life in a public spotlight uh, uh, like you do uh, is is purely statistically much more at risk for uh, mental health issues for 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 drugs and alcohol uh, prescription medication often also just no to, to, you know to to, to, to come down uh, after a gig to deal with uh, adverse press uh, even if it's a yeah. tabloid just making something up out of context <laughs> we've been um, there <laughs> so y- you're experiencing that. How, how how does this affect you emotionally? Because uh, we've established you, you you're staying away from from mood altering substances. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you you have a, a strong you know resilience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can sense that uh, mm-hmm. just by sitting next to you and uh, <laughs> feel that power. But uh, it, it must affect you. It's, it did. It did. Um, there was it was a, it was a, a kind of chipping away. Um, the, the longer I was in London, the more I felt as though I just didn't fit in. I was, uh, a, you know, a black woman who um, 
was the wrong type of black, i.e. I wasn't light enough, I wasn't European looking enough. So that was an issue. Um, and I, you know, I was pretty singular at the time. Coming out in, in, my, in my early years in, in making the music I, I, I make, um, there were very few people from Britain making that kind of music. Britpop was conquering the world, and then there was me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it was, a, it was a, an odd time. I didn't do all the, 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 the mood-altering things. And then I didn't look like my American counterparts. Um, I wasn't the tough girl like Mary J. Blige, um, who was having phenomenal success. Equally, I wasn't the, the, the sexy girl like the SWV girls or, or um, you know, like TLC or, or, you know, Ashanti or any of those kind of girls. And I was none of those. So because I didn't fit into any of those tribes easily or neatly, I was uh, subject to a lot of ridicule and some of that was in the press. And after a while, for someone who always had this strong sense of self, that began to chip away. And um, there was a period in my mid-twenties where I just, I look back now and I'm, I'm like, I can't even believe that was me, but I started to eat badly and not train. I'd always been so fun, so full of um, fitness and, and saw fitness as fun and, and all of that. And I just stopped and then put on weight. And then that became an issue because the record label said, oh, well, now you're far too heavy, far too heavy, size 12, but far too heavy. And um, and to be to be fair, I looked at myself and I didn't look like the me that I had known all my life. And um, so the life in the spotlight has started was, to take its it, toll. It started yes. to really take its toll, and that was that was difficult to. to personally, to, you had you know you had obviously things going on as well behind the scenes that were making yeah. you unhappy, and so it, it was all you know, it it's was, like the perfect it was storm, difficult. wasn't it? It, it was like yeah, perfect yeah. storm of, of of how do you pull yourself out of it. Um, so how, um, how did you? Well, I, I was lucky because <laughs> I, I, at that time, I started to um, gather some decent people around me, some of which are my, still my friends today. But one particular person who I, I met at that tricky time was a, a guy called Tyrone, who was this flamboyant, gay man, black man, who just always smiling, always happy. What I didn't know is he was also HIV positive, didn't tell me at the time, but we met and I wanna say fell in love, but not in a romantic sense. We just connected so quickly and so firmly. And I credit Tyrone from pulling me out of that slump um, because he saw the real, me behind all the the you know trying to put up with the press and their nonsense and the spotlight he just saw beverly 
and he would be, he's very like straight as well I didn't know was, him but he was yeah, like he died before you know like to just tell yeah. you to fix up and get a dress get like, a skirt on and just get out I you wouldn't know what I mean? wear she trousers wear a, because I didn't want <laughs> no, anything to distract skirt. from yeah. I wouldn't wear a skirt yeah. because I didn't want anything to distract from my music and be taken seriously as a musician because oh my god and they're just going to subjugate me and I'm a woman and, <laughs> mm -hmm. and he was like you can be both <laughs> get your pins out they're great pins get them out you know you relax for no, god's sake no, relax no. And, and it was only a short time it was a, he, he was, I, yeah he was only in my life relatively speaking a short time but it was huge from um 98 and then he passed away in 2003 but that mm. was the period where i changed from for the first time in my life beginning to doubt my myself because I didn't fit in in the London scene and all the rest of it into saying I absolutely fit in I've just created my own little area for my damn self and it's just me on this lane I've got my own lane and I'm staying in it and whatever to everybody else's lane and he really was instrumental in helping me to find me again but it also was then one of the hardest times it in your life so that the, yeah, conversely which is what you go through in life like oh, we always talk about it made her way stronger at the time it changed her life and then when he died obviously it ruined was, it absolutely killed her but she then had to fight back from that again and then absolutely <laughs> it's like tyrone was his his hiv was advanced i became his carer I, um, he had, you know, a bunch of fair weather type friends. He had some great friends as well, who are my friends to this day as well. But um, you know how it is under crisis, the fair weather people disappear. The really great people stay with you. And so we had a network of us who just helped him through. I became his primary carer. We lived together and uh, he just, his health just declined and declined while, I my and this is the, the, the it was this weird juxtaposition of my career began to really take off. My third album, which was my second with um, my, my my second deal, so it was album number three for me, album number two for that record label, which was Parlophone. That album absolutely took off. I was firmly in the mainstream and everything was going right, but behind the scenes. Tyrone, I was losing him and I knew there was nothing I could do, nothing I could do to, to... God. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't save him, you know, and, but he had saved me. And that was the hard thing. You tried though, she tried everything. Oh, I she tried. did, she did, she was you know, tried, amazing to him. Ultimately, and, and that was the thing, you know, you had to, but you had to go through that. And sometimes, mm. you know, in life, you have to go through that hardship to become a better person, to, but, to you know, to be a butterfly, be you the, have to. And that's yeah. what Bev went through. And that was his role. And you have to take that in life sometimes yeah. as people come and go. And that's their role in life, just like you are part of someone's journey. And if you can enrich someone's life, like I said to you earlier about trying to add value to every situation. Mm. I, I, I've worked so hard to try and do that. 
because I can be a bit of a nightmare sometimes. <laughs> so and I, I always say that, you know, there's, there's, there can only be one diva in a relationship and that's me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, it, you know, it's the journey, isn't it? Again, you have to have these set things happen, you know, put them in a box and go, that was, that was amazing or terrible mm. or whatever, but I learned and I grew and I, then, and then, you know, and that's... His, his purpose, I'm trying to yeah. find my tissue, his oh. purpose in life, oh, I can't find it somewhere. I believe that he was there, I was there to help him fulfill his dreams. He wanted to be a TV presenter. He ended up being a TV presenter um, because, you know, I managed to connect him to certain people and, and there he was, you can YouTube him and there he is. Mm. Um, and he enabled me to be the very resilient and uh, uh, strong woman that I am now, which meant I was in the right place to meet James and, you know, even yeah, though we met a few, yeah, I went through another cycle of nonsense, <laughs> yeah. but it didn't, it wasn't quite the same yeah, yeah, nonsense yeah, as when I was young. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it, no, it didn't no, have that same no, dangerous no, thing. It was, it was yeah, just yeah. nonsense. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's just funny at the, at the, what was the most wonderful part of my career at that time was also the hardest part of my life. Um, but that's also, also a beautiful thing of it. It's, yeah. Know, and that's the, the, the journey, isn't it? The, that's it. It's the mad It's also this notion of, of paying it forward. Yeah. I mean, yeah. From, from what he did for you. And I mean, you were very engaged in, 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 yeah. in, in charitable work and oh, huge in, in making a huge right. contribution for you know, a lot of people out there. I'm, I, I honestly oh, believe so. that my, yes, we all have our struggles and I've, I've had mine, but I am in this privileged position. I've grafted for it, but I am in this privileged position whereby I have a platform and I will use that platform as much as I can You ha to pay it forward because you have to, you know. Tyrone, even at his weakest physically was enabling magic to happen for me because of how he really helped me to, to, to just reignite my self-esteem and, my, my, and, and gave me a confidence in my physical being that I didn't have before. You've, you've hit the um, nail on the head about the magic thing. It's a, the value thing, isn't it? Like, you know, a friend magic. of ours wrote a book you know, called Creating Magic, Jason, yeah, Jason Bale. Bale. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it talks about that is just you know, looking beyond yourself and, and trying to do good for other people. And it's hard, particularly when you're going through a tough situation yourself, to, to try and look out for other people. And we've, we've, as I said, we've both been through really tough times and I've probably been more selfish because I always, when I was younger, thought I was the victim of everything, you know. But you it's also a coping mechanism. Yeah, you, a, yeah but you have to come out of that. And the mm. big thing I do now through reading and, and trying to grow my mind and, and you know is is extreme ownership you know is to look at yourself and to go well it's my doing you're not blaming yourself but it's my doing and I'll deal with it and I can you know progress everything you know if someone cuts you up it's not them it's you reacting so you just got to you know process it and that's what you know but it as I said it's it's a daily struggle to sometimes to you know but again Beverly's a a naturally 
as we said, a naturally happy kind of, you know. It's my disposition. Yeah, me. To be, yeah. To, but yeah, to, to be, I, to be, I'm, I'm, to be happy. positive, and yeah, but me, I think through the, and I've got friends who've had similar upbringings, and and we're, and it, it you just have that kind of, it, it's a weird. Um, it's like a defense mechanism it is all the time you know it's almost going back to when we're cavemen you think there's a you know something around the corner going to kill you and it seems like our oh, my brain's wired more for that so i have to work at it you know i go cold water therapy and you know and and i try and keep my thyroid in in check and you know i've got an underactive thyroid and obviously that affects That's me hard. yeah it affects you know it's, it's a hard. difficult thing to uh, to regulate and but so an yeah. underactive thyroid, it, uh, it can really severely and sometimes suddenly um, uh, impact your mood. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I can get very, sometimes I get very dark very quick. Very quick, out of nowhere. Yeah. Out of and, nowhere. Uh, yeah. To me, it seems like it's come out of nowhere. Yeah. You've been everything like, and joking and laughing yeah, yeah. and then, yeah. and then you're not. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, whoa, where's, and then where's that, that come yeah. from? And it's, it's like a dark cloud has just sat on your head and it's zoomed in mm. out of nowhere and it's just sat on your head and then you have to fight to get out of that mm -hmm. that, that blue but i think that's that's an important uh, point as well is um, um you know without knowing uh, that there is this physical underlying uh, thing uh, uh, under functioning uh, thyroid uh, such a sudden mood change, it, uh, it, it can have severe repercussions for both yourself and also your partner and, and, uh, and the relationship. And uh, I think it's important to keep in mind also that we as human beings, uh, our emotions, they're also results of chemical processes mm. uh, in, mm. in our brain. Um, and sometimes it is very much uh, a physical underlying issue. Yeah. Um, so feeling in a dark place, feeling sad, uh, um, not... not uh, not coping uh, or it's the or, fog or, as well it's yeah. it's a weird it's um i mean that the, sometimes the, you can't think clearly the health the health the, the health um uh, implications of an underactive thyroid if you read them you just want to go and jump off a building like, they're horrific mm -hmm. you know it's like suicidal thoughts this blah 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 <laughs> like, well, just, so i just put that away and think no and you know weight gain and and i'm like no i'm not going to believe that and this is again I'm probably because I'm probably just um, uh, just obstinate, you know. I just want to like, you know. You call me uh, Quincy Jones. Yeah. Well, no. You also call me contrary because I'm like I don't want to be the norm. I don't want to just, you know. If 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 the underactive thyroid is this, no, I'm not going to be that. I'm going to try and get in good shape. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to because all of these things impact. I'm going to use cold water. I'm going to use breathing. I'm going to use meditation. I'm going to, and all of that stuff was so hard for me to do, mm -hmm. and I try and do it on a daily basis. But it seems to really help you to keep. It your does. It does. Hundred percent. Completely does. Hundred percent. It completely does. Particularly I can, the cold. From, from your, from standing watching you, I can say that when you, in the morning, when you go out, you take our dog out, and you do that whole thing and and I'm up early you know up if I early. get up at quarter to six and I'm out and I do my thing before then come back and then do my day I've, I've, I've achieved something and that's but it also centers you <laughs> yeah 100 it, 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 it writes you yeah and when the you colder the water is it does your, your cold water yeah the colder the water the happier he is yeah and when he hasn't done that 
the difference in the day, you always feel as though you're just a little bit energy. discombobulated, energy. Yeah. Energy, under so the par. the weird thing is the other you know, day, not I, quite I, you. I, um, I mixed up taking my, my levothyroxine and I took 25 micrograms too little and I felt horrific for three days. And I honestly, I've never had that much of a difference. I then switched up again to 150 a day and I was instantly, I could think again. And I had, I was like, and, and it's that, it was that quick. And I, it just, that surprised me because I, it catches me out still, you know? And it's, that's a very difficult thing to deal with. But, I'm not gonna. You just can't, I'm not gonna bitch about it. I'm just gonna get on with it. I'm gonna have the processes, and I know I'm anal about stuff. Sometimes, you know, like the blinds at home. Sorry, honey. You know, as I said, I've got my processes. I've got my systems, and you know. He has his systems. <laughs> but that's a that's a coping it's a mechanism. It's a coping mechanism, but I recognise it. Yeah. It's, it, it, but she it just is. lets me get on with it because she knows the house is spotless. I'm like, I'm like, that's not too bad, is it? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, there are there right. are upsides in everything. The fact that James has is like has to have control of certain things and has to have things exactly yeah. in the right place and yeah. all of that means the house is always clean <laughs> and tidy. And you just when when we met, um, you get on we with both it. came around to my flat for the first time. She thought I was. Uh, the American psycho guy, because mm. everything was in its place. All my clothes were lined up, ironed, everything. She was like, All the lids okay. were in the, 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 yeah. the handles. And I, of like, the I like to have things in a certain way in, in a the certain cupboards way. and, that, and, cupboards and I was for like, Beverly doesn't have that. It's like, you know, no. I have to have, it has to feel right. I'm sure that makes for an interesting dynamic <laughs> at home. <It> does. <laughs> But then again, you know, you, you describing how, how you build a structure for, for, for your everyday life. You know, you mm -hmm. get up at the time, you have your, your morning uh, uh, almost ritual um, and it gives you that sense of achievement already in the morning that sets mm -hmm. for a positive day. Um, I think that's also an important message because uh, having a structure either because it's, it's, it's given or imposed on you or uh, even more importantly, uh, when it's not, and you need to build your own structure, but actually having a daily structure is, is, is something, something very, very important. It is, but yeah. it's equally though, and again, this is always where my mind goes to, there's sometimes I wish I didn't, because <laughs> exactly, you know exactly what I'm gonna say, because it, it's, you have the structure, then when you break the structure, you then feel bad or you just start beating yourself up. And one of the big things I did, and I, I, I'm better now, mm. and, and this is some of Beverly's help as well, has, has helped me to, to overcome this, is to stop beating myself up when I don't do things right or in my right, mind, in right, mind. you know, because it's only because my mind, you know, or I don't achieve what I want to achieve or, or I mess up something or I make a problem or I react badly. I beat myself up for so long. But on the, again, on the flip side, it gives me the balance of to look, be able to look in the mirror and go, no, sort yourself out. If you're being acting an idiot or you're doing this or you're not, is to, to try and fix that. Mm. So I, I think the ability on reflecting on your own emotions oh. and your demons, your fears. And uh, I think that's, that's, that's a very important skill that, yeah. that, that you've been able to hone over, uh, over time. James does it all the time and does it brilliantly because James will face himself in the mirror and say, I need to work on this. I need to do less of this, more of that. 
and will have that conversation with himself and then put it into action. With me, sometimes it feels like you have to pull. I'm pulling it out of myself. I'm so used to um, being on my own and just writing the words down in a song or singing it. Um, and I'm in a relationship. I'm, you know, I am one half of this relationship and I don't always verbalize what the, the, the processes that are going on here. And that's from my and, dad. And that is from my dad. And that's, you know, and, and I've got things. James, that, yeah. James will always do that. James will always speak these things, will always d illuminate what is in his mind and me, not so much. It gets me, it gets me to a, to a calm point straight away. If I just say, and when I was young, I used to bottle it up and then just explode like a maniac and it'd be so in any situation. You learned that's not the way to go for I you. I can't, mm. you know, and now I just have to get it out straight away and say, right, that, that made me feel bad or this, this, you know, or I'm worried about this at the moment. I even do it now, probably yesterday. Oh, I didn't, didn't feel like I'm achieving where I want to be, you know, and I'm still doing it. But then I talk about it and I don't want anyone to fix it or I just go, right, it's out, I then go, okay, I can then, now I can deal with it. Now it's out there to the world that I haven't felt this in a certain way, or I'm not exactly where I want to be. And I don't mind saying that, you know, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly where I want to be in my mind in life. You know, I've got an amazing life and I'm happy, but you know, we talked about success or whatever. And, and I don't know where that is. And it's exciting and scary still. And I'm mm. 43, but, I still feel like I'm 22. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, but I would never go back to that. If yeah. you could pay me all the money in the world, and I would I'm never go now. back to that. Um, oh yeah. Some people say I would now. pay all the money in the world to Dude, go back to yeah, that. No <laughs> you could honestly, I'd swear on my life, you know, I, you could offer me a billion pounds and I wouldn't go back to that and live mm -hmm. through the last, I just wouldn't do it. I would only want to go back 12 years and live through that because that's my message <laughs> that's yeah. I think there, there's, a, there's a very uh, valuable message I think is that with uh, self-reflection and really getting to know you and what you need to, to uh, you know based on past experience to, to, to tackle uh, all the uh, emotions and, and you know adverse situations that life uh, sometimes mm -hmm. throws at us and, and, and you know most likely still will um, yeah. So to build uh, to build that resilience based on uh, on, on that reflection is uh, can be can be a very powerful way of, of navigating yeah. life. I think yeah. though as it's well, it's important to look at yourself. You you do you, you you do you have to because you have to learn the patterns. But we lie to ourselves isn't it? We do like like our brains will try and do what isn't the right way to do it as well. So we will or try and go, ourselves. yeah, we'll try and go for the easy option, you know? So you have to be honest with you, yourself. You have, you have to, be to be brutally honest, but you also have to, you have to have, you have to go through hormosis as well. So you have to go through a level of uncomfortableness or stress, uh, stressor to then grow from it, to become better. And that's why I think all of this, what happened in our lives, it can only make you stronger. And, and I say to my nephews now, because they've been through some tough times and you know, mm -hmm. and I say to them, you don't see it now, but you will be a stronger man for it, or you, know, you will be stronger for it. You just have to believe that and you have to self-reflect, like you said, mm -hmm. and grow from it. And I think if you can do that, you're on a, you're on a winner, whatever you do, whether you're a, a binman or a, you know, a, a, 
Jeff Bezos. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. I think if you can find happiness in yourself and what you're doing, it's the holy grail. That was, that was a tough thing. That was hard for my dad, you know. In the end, my dad died in 2010. He was, he was beginning to find his way back. He, he had a breakdown when I was, just as I was going off to uni. Um, and then all those years of, of, of resentment and difficulties with, with um, white people, particularly white people because of, you know, like my choice of James and my sister uh, um, choosing, choosing Christopher. And, you know, that was, that was difficult. But just towards the end of his life, he started to, I think he started to analyze himself. And, um, and it was a crisis that did that for him. My sister got very ill, was rushed to hospital. It frightened the life out of him. And sometimes that's the, sometimes the catalyst. That's what it takes. Again, we talk about the catalyst, but yeah. that's what it with, took. But with health and wellness and all that thing, you can't wait for that. You you mustn't. You know, so I wish all of my this, dad the hadn't health, waited. Yeah, the mental health, the health, the wellness yeah. is is so inextricably linked. It is inextricably. You know, and that's I think the takeaway that that I would say to anyone is to 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 go to try as much as they can holistically you know cold water therapy good diet you know not beating yourself up but being hard enough on yourself or All truthful these... enough yeah yeah that's not exactly, always being yeah. hard on yourself but being yeah. truthful with yourself you know yeah. what i mean yeah. that's always the best um the best way so and i just be, think... being prepared building that resilience uh, uh prevent uh, um, things be it uh, you know physical ailments be mm. it be it uh, yeah. uh, emotional crisis yeah. Uh, in such a way, um, yeah, by, by preparing uh, yeah. for it. And you can only prepare by constantly reflecting yeah. and uh, you yeah. know, take, taking away the positivity from, from, from your experiences. Uh, this has been a very, very powerful and insightful uh, thank conversation. You. Thank you for the. Uh, for thank the you so much for sharing uh, also some of your very thank personal you. uh, stories. It's I really, really appreciate yeah, it. We, we, we love the opportunity to be here. Yeah, we? really appreciate thank it. Thank you, you so much. Thank you, Beverly. It's a pleasure. Thank you, James. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And do reach out to us directly with any questions or queries you have via our website, paracelsus-recovery.com. On social media, on Facebook and Instagram, please use the handle Paracelsus Recovery. And on Twitter, Paracelsus Rehab. <laughs>